Welcome to Fully Yours, a podcast about food, the sacred, and ordinary moments of extraordinary belonging. Hello, Fully Yours community. This is Eva. And together with my dear friends, Chloe and Christy, we created a podcast together. Actually, Chloe and Christy created it and then invited me to be part of it, um, for which I'm still so grateful. Um, But the three of us met in seminary in Boston and discovered that we really cared deeply about food and food's connections to theology and faith and spirituality, and culture, and society, and all of those, um, all of those things. When you pull at food, you discover so many other threads. I feel like I've said that numerous times on this podcast already, but it just continues to be true for me. Anytime I read something about farming, or Um, communion or whatever it might be there's just so many new discoveries so we're really grateful that you have shown up at our virtual table today Um, today's just going to be me flying solo Um, we had a little bit of scheduling difficulty just getting the three of us together to talk about um, the cooking gene today is one of our books and bites episodes and um you know that happens, and we also live in three different parts of the country, so sometimes coordinating can be tricky. So I'm considering today um, sort of more of a book review than a discussion, since it's just me, so I'm just going to highlight two or three kind of key points from the book that I think are really interesting, and in the hopes that you will also go and read the book yourself, um, and then connect about what stood out for you, and What are you learning from the book um, and from the topic in general? Um, But before I do that, I also have a really special announcement that this is going to be part one of two episodes this week. Um, So The Cooking Gene by Michael Twitty um, is a celebration and a history. um, And it's, it's not just a celebration. There are some dark... There's some dark stuff that he's dealing with in the book, too, um, particularly our history of slavery in this country, in the United States. Um, And, but I thought, you know, rather than just me sitting here talking to you about a book, I thought that I would also dig into my own family history. Um, I'm from the South. I grew up in Texas. I now live in Arkansas. Um, A lot of my relatives live on the East Coast, on my dad's side of the family, but most of my mom's relatives live in East Texas um, or Dallas Um, and that is a really there's some really beloved recipes and stories of food on both sides of my family but since we're talking about southern food through this book I wanted to just get some first-hand conversations with um, I'm actually going to be interviewing my mom and my aunt later this week and sharing that with you all So I'm really excited about that, and um, I hope that you'll tune back in for part two um, of this episode. So it it won't technically be a books and bites, but it will be kind of a jumping off point from what I'm going to share with you about the cooking gene today. So 
hope you'll tune back in for that. Um, and before I get into that, I also just wanted to check in with you about some reflections I've been doing. I think part of the hope of this podcast is not just that it's a space where we talk about just food, but just how are we living as spiritual beings? How, what are we learning about ourselves? How are we um, making change in our communities? All those sorts of things. So I was doing yoga this morning and... Um, one of the reflection questions that my instructor, and by my instructor, I mean my YouTube instructor, Adrian, who you've heard me talk about, she invited us to consider um, what might you be doing that is making things harder than they need to be? Um, and it was sort of an emphasis on the word was soft that she kept landing on through the movements is sometimes we either mentally or physically we really like particularly in yoga it's easy to be like oh I need to like perfectly shape my body the way that this instructor is shaping their body or I my body doesn't look like hers so there's something wrong with me or all the negative self-talk that can come from those sorts of practices and then also just um, feeling like the movements need to be perfectly synchronized or if if I'm not in the in the perfect form I'm doing something wrong and I just it just dawned on me that and I know this about myself already but um that shows up so much in my life um I put a lot of pressure on myself to do more work than I need to sometimes and to just think about the work more than I need to and I'm using work really broadly here I don't just mean my professional job but all the labor that I pour into my home and, and I very much share that with my spouse um, you know it's always a point of conversation for us like how are we doing that as equi as equitably as we can and not just slipping into your traditional gender roles um, but also just the work that I do outside of my jobs podcast and being engaged in my community through activism and my writing and some other endeavors and uh, just I just overload myself and I think a lot of it comes from a place of wanting wanting to do good wanting to address things that feel so urgent to me just learning more and more in my body like not just mentally not just logically but I'm learning more and more actually in my body that when we're approaching whatever is ours to do through our work through our relationships if I'm approaching that from a place of weariness because I haven't taken time to rest I haven't taken time to connect with creation I haven't taken time to care for my body through rest and eating foods that are nourishing um, I'm not gonna be faithful to that work in the way that I need to be so anyway, that's just a little tidbit to start your day or to end your day, whatever time you're listening to this. So we we'll just invite you to think about maybe there's some areas in your life where you're working too hard or, or you're thinking too hard. And what can you let go of this week or this month? Um, and what can't you let go of? And what is that also telling you about yourself? 
maybe in some really amazing ways. So let's dive into the cooking gene. The way that I distill this book, this is a really incredible book. My mom gifted this to me a couple Christmases ago. It came out in, I believe it was 2017. Let me see here. Yeah, 2017. Um, and it's a pretty thick book, um, but it's full of incredible stories and recipes and just this incredible integration of history and food and culture and family. Um, so Michael Twitty in this book is sharing a lot of his own story and his family history. Um, it's really an excavation of the history of Southern cuisine and how it came to be. He's also making a really clear point that food is inherently political. That just by eating, we are participating in political histories that we may or may not have anything to do with. Well, we definitely have something to do with it, but that we may or may not have, have awareness of. Um, so it's really a book that's getting into this word called foodways. Um, learning where the dishes that we enjoy and that we romanticize. And I feel like this, this happens in particular with Southern food. What are some of the, the dark and the deep histories that actually connect to that food? And the stories of incredible resilience. Um, but, but threaded throughout the book, Twitty is also tracing his own family roots. And he's, he's doing some of the, the DNA testing, like 23andMe and discovering some of his African roots, and then discovering the family stories actually showing up in some of these places where his relatives lived and learning about, um, learning about the, the recipes that held those communities together, particularly during the time of slavery. So his sources are recipes, stories, historical documents, you would think that for something that is, at least I would, I would think that for something that is so historically connected, that it would be a, a bit of a drier read, a bit more factual. Oh, but it's not. It's so, it's so rich. It's, reading this book is like eating a big bowl of buttery grits. And <laughs> if you've never had buttery grits, you need to get your hands on some as soon as you can. So I love this in the preface. He talks about how we as Southerners, um, and even beyond that, we as Americans, we are a dysfunctional family, but we are a family nonetheless, um, that our histories bind us together and force us to reckon with histories of trauma and violence that have been done at least in, in my case, by my ancestors to the ancestors of folks like Michael Twitty, um, and that we have to, we have to reckon with that. Um, and I think that our country has been doing that work, however, well, stumblingly, if that's a word, for a long time. And this book also spoke to me, and I made a connection because I grew up in Dallas and lived there pretty recently. Um, this reckoning with the land 
in that city and particularly through I'm thinking about recent happenings and protests and rallies and conversations about the Confederate monuments that really just litter the city of Dallas they're everywhere and in the names of elementary schools and middle schools and high schools and just that work of reckoning with that on on a public scale I really feel like that's a political moment that we're all living in in the United States and, and across the world, but speaking particularly to the um, the state's context. So what a way to explore that through food. I just think that's so, um, just leads to so much rich learning and discovery. I want to read a paragraph um, toward the beginning. This is on page six. The lofty goal of participation in the praise fest for rediscovering and sustaining America's food roots seems trivial at best when going to your source is traumatic. The early and antebellum South is not where most African Americans want to let their minds and feet visit. It is a painful place, and the modern South is just beginning to engage the relationship between the racial divide, class divisions, and cultural fissures that have tainted the journey to contemporary Southern cuisine. It is an entangled and deeply personal mess that has been four centuries in the making. This book is about finding and honoring the soul of my people's food by looking deep within my past and my family's history. So I want to skip ahead a little bit to some of this history. So this is a chapter called Sweet Tooth. Just getting a little bit towards the middle of the book. And really talking about the way that slavery and the production of sugar went hand in hand. And and that sugar cane, things like sugar cane, and I believe he also talks about butter and certain types of oils that were brought over. Those began to become staples in Southern cuisine, not because they're indigenous to folks who were forced over here um, as slaves, their dishes were actually quite different um, and directly connected to their African homelands. But because um, slave owners and plantation owners were producing sugarcane for profit, um, exploiting people in the process, those flavors really came to dominate a lot of Southern cuisine. And I think that that is such an important point that Twitty is making. And I think it really gets to this heart of the message that food is political. I remember doing a project in high school on the banana and how political a food that the banana has been. I'm not going to go into all of that right now, but um, anytime you eat, you're engaging with, you're engaging with history. So I think I'm actually going to leave it there. And there is obviously so much more that I could share. Um, but I think Twitty's central point is there is so much to discover about our own family histories and the history of our country in the United States. So I think he's inviting us to all do that work. I do hope that you tune in again this Saturday. Um, I'm going to be sitting down with members of my family, as I mentioned before, and gleaning their stories of my great-grandma's cooking, 
um, and some of the troubling histories um, around slavery in my own family um, and the, the need that we all have to do much more work in my family around that. So I hope you'll tune in and I hope that you will pick up the cooking gene. Um, I'm sure you could find it in your local library and would encourage you to support your local library. And let us know what you think. Would love to continue to have conversation and dialogue about this book because it is an important one. So thank you so much for tuning in and we will see you in a few days for part two. Thank you so much for joining us at the table. We would love to hear from you. Let us know what you think by leaving a rating on iTunes. Or if you have show ideas, comments, or just want to reach us directly, send us an email at fully.yours.podcast at gmail.com. For today's show notes, our blog, and more, be sure to check us out at fullyyourspodcast.com. Huge thanks to Steve Dry and Catalyst of Harvard Epworth United Methodist Church based in Cambridge, Massachusetts for their generous grant funding of this podcast. Shout out to the talented Joel Adams and Melody Stanford Martin for producing the original song featured in this podcast. Also to Melody for our gorgeous logo design and to our dream team for keeping us grounded and inspired. Until next time, we are fully yours. So I think related to that,